Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm Ruba Bird. And if, good morning, if you did not take a palm to wave on Palm Sunday, or even if you did, you can still wave your palms on Palm Sunday. It's the only time in the year I can use that joke. <laughs> and I'm going to do it because I'm up here. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you this morning. Let's just take a breath, breathe in that sense of the spirit falling fresh. I kind of imagine little glittery sparkles kind of resting on us, or a few snowflakes, which we actually saw the other day in Portland. Perhaps just glance around or sense the presence of the friends around you. I want to read some verses both from the Old Testament and the New Testament and a little psalm that describe God as the host or hostess of an outrageously lavish dinner party. As you listen, see if you can picture the setting the table, the guests, the sumptuous meal. I hope you had a little breakfast this morning. First from Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 8. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, on this mountain, God will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. God will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. God will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And Luke 14, 15 through 24, the parable of the great banquet. One Sabbath, Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. One of those at the table with him said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. 
The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out into the roads and country lanes, King James says, the highways and the byways, and compel them to come in, compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. And from Psalm 107, verse 9, For God satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good things. God satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good things. So were you able to picture the lavish feast that these scriptures describe, the dinner party to end all dinner parties? All through the Bible, these images pop up of God as the ultimate party planner who wants a house full of guests who are enjoying themselves to the max. There's a poignancy for me in these images because we live in a world where hunger and starvation are all too real. I don't want to ignore that reality or sidestep it. But my focus today is on our hunger and longing for spiritual nourishment. The questions that arise for me when I hear these scriptures are, what are my deepest hungers? What is the food my soul longs for? What about you? What are your deepest hungers? What is the food your soul longs for? Take a moment to think about that. Now switch a little bit and think about just one of your favorite foods, the one that comes to mind, one of your favorite foods. Yum, yum, yum. Now think of one of your least favorite foods that you just pretty much always pass up. Now I'm going to ask you, if you want to, to be a little bit unquakerly and turn and find one or two other people sitting around you. You might look in front or in back of you if you're sitting kind of by yourself and just, just... Find one or two people. I'll let you do that for a second, and then I'll tell you what to do. Did any group in here name, everybody named the exact same favorite food and the exact same least favorite food? Stephen, I don't believe you. (laughs) You did. You all named the very, okay, good for you. You get to stay together. Um, any Any other group, the very same favorite and the very same least favorite? Hmm. Hmm, this is a very small proportion of all of the human beings on earth, I would say, an nth of an nth of an nth of a percentage to the nth degree. Well, it 
isn't really a surprise that we have different tastes in food, but it can surprise us when we find a wide diversity in the beliefs and spiritual practices and areas of service in the world that feed us spiritually. Sometimes, and I admit to this too, we want to take charge of the menu at God's table. Sometimes we want to limit the menu at God's dinner party to the foods that we prefer or be sure to cross off the menu the foods we don't find appealing. We understand that. That's human nature. But what if just in our group we were willing this morning, the people here, we were willing to worship only with those who loved the same foods? We would have the cheesecake church back in that corner and the barbecue church might be up here, right? Uh, the Brussels Sprouts Church might be very small, but very <laughs> proud of being healthy, and they would be up here. All right, all right. And, and all of a sudden, we would see, we would see how we, we don't help ourselves, how we limit the work of the Spirit just in this community, by insisting when we do, or even just really wanting to gather only with people whose spiritual tastes are the same as ours. We might want to limit the guest list to just like some of the religious leaders of Jesus' day wanted to do. Jesus had something to say about that, and he said it in this parable. Let's look at this parable that Jesus told about God, whose dinner party was, at first, a disaster. Can you picture the scene? Now, in the language of the parable, in the New Testament, what we hear is masculine language. The, the host was a man. But what I imagine, actually, is a consummate hostess, maybe a Martha Stewart type, who had spent days and hours planning this amazing dinner party, getting everything just right. The day of the party when the table is set with fine silver, the candles are already lit. You can kind of think Downton Abbey if you want to, right? The souffle is puffing up in the oven. The six courses are timed to perfection. The string quartet is already rosining their bows in the courtyard. And then the text messages and phone calls start pouring in with regrets and excuses. Sorry, I just can't make it. I just can't make it. I just bought a new Porsche and I have to take it on a test drive, you know. I just bought some land. I've got to go see it. Why would you buy land without seeing it first? But anyway, <laughs> you know, some people do. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Regrets, regrets. I'll make it next time. I'm sure you understand and all the guests didn't show up. None of them showed up. Well, maybe you've been in that situation. Any host or hostess is thrown into something close to despair, having created a beautiful dinner party, and then finding out nobody is coming. So what does our hostess do? Throw her apron over her head and weep bitter tears into the deflated souffle? 
No. She calls together the caterers and servers and the string quartet and says, okay, everybody, my gorgeous meal is not going to go to waste. I want you to drop everything and get out there and go find me some guests. Somebody raises their hand and says, do you have a list of your second-tier friends that you want us to go call? She says, no, the souffle will be ruined. Get out there and find anybody you can. I don't care how they're dressed. I don't care where you find them. Find the ones who need a good meal. Convince them. You know what an amazing dinner we've prepared. I want my table to be full. That's what I think the verb compel in the scripture means. Don't take no for an answer. Don't let there be any doubt in their minds. Whoever you can find, be sure they know I want them at my party. Friends, if God is this kind of hostess, this kind of host, isn't this powerfully good news? Anyone who hears the invitation and is willing to come to the party is welcome. I believe that each one of us here today has experienced something of that banquet, of that invitation that God has prepared. Each of us, you and I, at some time have tasted the goodness of God's love, God's nourishing love for us. But each of us also has experienced that deep hunger, even starvation perhaps, when we couldn't find the door into that great banquet hall. Maybe you believed you weren't welcome at the table, that you just wouldn't fit in. Maybe you thought nothing on the menu is going to nourish me. But Jesus, our host, says, you are welcome. You are welcome. I am welcome. When you and I let our hungry hearts quiet down, so we can really listen to the voice of our own deepest longings, which Quakers call the inner flame of Christ's presence. What do we hear? Do we hear that invitation? Are you willing to drop everything and accept the invitation to the party, to believe that God wants you there, that you'll find the most delectable food you can imagine? that God knows exactly what your heart is most hungry for? And are you and I willing also to be God's faithful servants? Can we let God worry about the menu and the guest list and just be the ones who throw open the doors and holler to one and all, hey, the party's this way, come on in. I ask again, what is the food your hungry heart longs for? Will you say yes to Christ's invitation to feast to your heart's delight?